0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Golden Edge, presented by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos. Like I
1: said, a little goofiness happened a little bit, but nobody got hurt. and Everybody's fine. What is up, hockey fans? It is Ben Ghost and David Chain of the Review Journal's Golden Edge podcast coming at you here on the first day of the regular season. Dave, can you feel the excitement? I'm stoked. I can feel it. Drop the
0: puck. What else do we come? Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, okay. It's our job to build it up, right? So I'll we, do gotta, my we best, gotta sell but... the papers. Yeah, that's right, that's right. But no, no, no. I mean, in all seriousness, like That last exhibition game was fun,
1: but I'm glad the exhibition season's over. Like, get to the real stuff, you know? Me too. I'm ready for the regular season to begin. I think a lot of people are. Uh, We're also ready to keep bringing you this podcast every week. We're going to bring it to you every Wednesday. We're going to try to have a consistent release date this season so make sure you subscribe like whatever you got to do to find us on itunes stitcher uh spotify wherever you get your podcasts we're also on reviewjournal.com and check back to that website for all our coverage including our special section stuff today that we you know slaved over All preseason to bring that to you just to get you hyped for the regular season as we said we're hyped Uh, we're also hyped that the golden edge podcast is presented by sdn sports mobile from station casinos and of course we are hyped to talk golden knights sharks that is of course their opener uh, as we record this tonight at t mobile arena they play again on friday so we'll kind of preview both games here right now i mean there was a Some goofiness, as Coach Gerard Gallant told us off the top, as you mentioned, Dave, in that last preseason game. Uh, What do you think uh, we can expect tonight and Friday? He said it was kind of bush, too, or something like that. There's some bush
0: stuff. Bush. I love that term. That's just, that's great. Um Honestly, I was talking to somebody else about this. This is like one of those like football games that, you know, like the win comes and everybody goes, oh, you know, it's going to go under the point total. And then, you know, they score like 90 points or something like everybody expects this to be just like, you know, complete chaos and just sticks and gloves everywhere. And for some reason, I have this weird feeling like now that two points are on the line that they're actually just going to play hockey.
1: No, I think it's going to mellow out
0: a lot you know, more than people think. But but I also get the feeling like these two couldn't go fishing together without getting into a fight, you know? Like they'd fight over the lures and like what line to use and monofilament or what, you know? Like they just can't. They, really bring
1: they, it up the fishing terms. <laughs> they But they can't get along. I, I, that's what it really comes down to. They just seriously cannot get along. Yeah, which makes for a fascinating rivalry, a fascinating matchup tonight, one of four games on the – Docket tonight for the NHL. It has a doubleheader in Canada and a doubleheader in the U.S. And of course, the Golden Knights are the late U.S. game. Uh, which brings me to my next question. And we talk about these two teams can't get along. I mean, is this already, you know, as we enter year three for the Golden Knights, the best rivalry in the NHL? Okay, so let's define best a little bit. and I'll it's, all tough. Say, it's
0: a tricky word. Right? Because you've so, and this is, I'll refer to my story that was, you know, in the Review Journal and part of what Ryan Reese talked about. There's kind of like two different sorts of rivalries, right? You have the old ones, you have the historic ones. Those really aren't going to go away, you know? Boston and Montreal and, you know, like some of the old, you know, Flyers and Bruins in the 70s and, you know, just all the, all the crazy old historic things. But for right now, for current best rivalry in the NHL, I don't think there's anything close to to Sharks' night. I mean, it's not an accident. They didn't just, like, punch this into the computer and, oh, randomly we're going to get two games and, you know, start to see. <laughs> I mean, obviously the NHL is taking advantage of of the fact that these two teams don't like each other. They did it in the 90s with, you know, the Avalanche and the Red Wings. and. That's what you do. You market, you know, your rivalries. That's that's sports. It's great. The players love it. I mean, I spent the last couple of days asking guys if if they love playing in these games, if, if it's good, if if they like the rivalries. They all said, "Yeah, unequivocally, we love." Except playing Except for these a games, few games, wet blankets, so. like one, uh, like Riley, Riley Smith. Smith. <laughs> yeah. So I'm t- totally not on board with him saying, you know, well, it, you can't have a rivalry until you've been a franchise longer than two years. I I know this is a rivalry. It, it's not the media building it up. I like, he
1: put it on the media building it up, and then proceeded to play in a game with 114 combined penalty minutes. Yeah, sorry, Riley. It's a 1-1-4, Riley Smith. Yeah, so, I mean, for me, that's the one going on right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've just got the personalities, too, that take it off the ice. I mean, obviously, the Ryan Reeves-Vander Kane kind of shouting match in the media – Was obviously, I mean, for us, fun to cover. I mean, you could see just like when Ryan Reeves appeared in the locker room during practices during the playoffs last year. I mean, media members just like sprint to his locker like, oh, I can't wait to see what he's going to say to Kane. And -hmm. obviously he took some good digs at Kane at the end of this last game, too, on Sunday after Kane got in a fight with the Valentin z Jonathan Marshall did, too. I'm going to bring up one other thing too, since this is kind of a podcast, a good format for it is
0: wh- whether people want this to go away or not. It's it's not the clown comment is is a part of this rivalry. That was something that I was hoping Jargalant would address. I I kind of tried to do it privately um, with him through the team, and and he didn't want to address it. He wants it to kind of go away, but which is fine. I respect that. But these are all the things that that go into a rivalry. These are all the moments that you know fans and the media and even players and organizations they go back and they look at all these you know kind of different flashpoints and and that's what builds it up and and that comment i mean i don't know we'll see how many clown costumes and things there are at T-Mobile and and you know up at SAP Center and all that on Friday but I, you know even w- my point is when the coaches get into it 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 that's when you know it's a rivalry. That's when you know it's crossed into just you know complete bad blood.
1: Yeah. So for people who that don't remember, I believe this is before Game Seven. Peter DeBoer made some comments that he basically said Gallant was like chirping at the Sharks players uh, while they were on the ice and while they were getting off the ice and everything like that. And of course Gallant denied that and said Peter DeBoer was essentially a clown. Yeah. He said he said for that clown to basically make those him, comments that, yeah. make these yeah. accusations um and then of course obviously the golden Knights players unequivocally had the backing or backed up their coach sure. but it's certainly yeah that's when it really got it, your attention right glant's one of those guys who obviously will downplay this rivalry to the media as well and be like oh it's just another two points it's just another game and then for him to just i mean completely just like step you know over a line, whether you think it's justified or not, it's definitely a line that was crossed. It was, I mean, fascinating. It was certainly, as you said, a flashpoint in this rivalry. Right.
0: And like I said, I just, I bring it up more so to illustrate, you know, when it gets to that point, you know, when you've got, and this is, I'm trying to think of, you know, coaches fighting and the first thing that came to mind was the devil's coach, you know, telling the referee to go eat another donut. That's not the same thing. But my point is that when you've got coaches that that apparently I, I'm sure have mutual respect for one another, none other, excuse me, for one another, but clearly there's animosity there. Clearly that, you know, it filters down to the whole team, Ryan Reese and Evander Kane. I mean, if they hadn't been traded, you know, three days apart and, and all that Eric Carlson, there's just so many things that, that have kind of, I guess, you know, confluence of of events that have created this, but, it's, you know, I can't think of anything else around the league. No, that, I that can't has either. This. I mean, that's the thing. There's there's good rivalries, and yeah, you know, you get up to Canada and, you know, make, Maple Leafs Canadians and, you know, Ottawa Senators don't like Montreal. They're, you know, like two hours apart. The Battle of Alberta. You've got all these rivalries, but for, for me right now, what's going to happen these first two days of the regular season, you know, best thing going on in hockey right now for me. The Golden Edge Podcast will be
1: right back. Christian Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. Sign up today and get a new sign-up bonus of up to $50. And, of course, one name you mentioned that we also have to talk about is Evander Kane. Because guess who the Golden Knights will not see Wednesday or Friday? Uh, Evander Kane had a very eventful preseason game Sunday, as we already mentioned. Fought with Valentin Zikhoff. Then he and Derek England for, like, a kind of a full shift, about 30 seconds. were just kind of going at each other back and forth where... Kane kind of put a legal hit on England along the boards. England kind of kept him there a little bit too long. They were jawing at each other kind of over center ice. And then basically Kane turns around by the blue line to skate back the other way. And I think probably gets a little too close to England for uh, the linesman's liking. And the linesman whose name I might butcher, uh, Keel Murchison, basically tackled Kane before he could get, you know, within like three feet of England. It was a bit of a preventative officiating. Uh, So Kane got up, shoved Murchison off of him, which, according to the NHL rulebook, is an automatic three-game suspension. You cannot push a ref to gain separation between yourself and a said ref. Uh, So he's not going to play Wednesday or Friday, Dave. So that's going to lose $100,000 of game checks, which my heart hurt when I saw that and realized that Evander Kane is going to lose many times my yearly salary in three games, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, What did you... Think of kind of the sequence of events that's going to lead to Kane not playing against the Knights. So I, I've kind of gone back and forth a
0: little bit in my mind on this because as it happened live, my eyes happened to be focused like directly on that. I never went away from when Kane and England kind of first engaged right in front of the Golden Knights bench. And, and you saw that slash that looked like it was clearly intended from Kane – at Derek England, but it looked like it actually landed on the linesman's leg. So I think it's actually Kyle Murchison, I think. Okay. I, I'm not positive It's K-I-E-L, right. so I, I'm over my head here. Anyway, we're, we write the, We have to spell the names correctly, not necessarily I pronounce them. I like that part them, better. Right? right, much easier. But, but anyway, I, I, what's interesting to me is that he got the three games. So clearly the NHL, I guess – in, in ruling that they did not penalize him for slashing the slashing the linesman effectively, had had they ruled that that was what occurred, that would have triggered an automatic ten game suspension at least, based on my understanding and interpretation of the rules. So so what they've done with the three games is essentially penalized him for the shove, trying to you know basically get a referee off of you, you know, for for lack of a better phrase. Um, what's weird to me though is at first it looked like Kane either said something or was was gonna start to try toward england and i and then I've seen replays where what I can't tell is if the puck actually went the other direction, and Kane just kind of circled back and then was was kind of going toward the puck and Murchison misinterpreted that and kind of went to separate them and then maybe. Their feet got tangled or he got a little overzealous or, you know, whatever happened. I'm kind of on the side, though, that the linesman was trying to be preventative of this. I don't necessarily think he was out of line, which I think I've seen some people, you know, at least on social media say. I'm kind of on the side of the people that says, look, he was trying to prevent what could have been who knows what sort of incident in the last exhibition game when it's like, what, what was the score?
1: It was I was think it was five, already five one? To one was at it five point. one at that point?
0: Like the game's pretty much done. It's meaningless. So so w- why are you going to go out there and you know have everybody just cement headed up? You know and and I think the linesman after probably getting whacked in the leg was a little you know probably a little ticked off and said yeah, I would be too yeah and said look you guys aren't fighting you know and if it took him getting in the way of Evander Kane and you know whatever that that's kind of I guess a split second decision. You know, that he made it'll be interesting to see if there was any sort of discipline from for him. I didn't hear anything of that, you know. But I mean, I guess my whole take on it, so to speak, is just what are we doing in an exhibition game? You know, I, I understand they don't like each other. I don't understand, you know, I understand that there's, you know, bad blood, but, you know, I, I, there was just a couple plays in that game, you know there was a play early on where Ryan Rees had somebody lined up in the corner and it looked like he knew he was going to kind of miss or or put somebody in a bad spot. And you could tell he just kind of eased up like right at the end, you know. And I'm sure just that split second of, of, oh, what am I doing? I don't need to clobber somebody in a preseason game, you know, play hard, right. but, you know, whatever. So for that game to kind of deteriorate the way it did, You know, I think the linesman was just trying to prevent anything further, really.
1: Yeah, no, I think you can definitely infer that just based on kind of the context. So, I mean, obviously, everyone knows how crazy kind of the third period of that game got. So obviously, you have Vander Kane, who is, you know, known, I think he got one was tied for like the third most game misconducts or tied for the most game misconducts in the NHL. Last season. So he has a reputation. He doesn't like his reputation. And he said as much after the game. But he does have a reputation. He already fought in that game. He was in the box for 10 minutes. Then came out. And then we already had things really get chippy. And kind of devolve in that game. Because Kane got tossed after Aaron Dell basically hip checks Mark Stone. Stone gets up. Basically goes after Dell. Which causes of course Sharks players to go after Stone. And that leads to a whole giant scrum. I mean even before this Kane incident happened, things had gotten pretty bad. Yeah, that's a good point that you bring up. For out. a preseason yeah. game where I remember like up in the press box um, and I was next to you and I'm kind of thinking like, man, they got to do something. Like we got to get through, you know, uh, this point of the stone hit. We were not even halfway through the third period yet. And like, we have to get through 10 minutes of this game right. somehow. And,
0: it's- oh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but like Logan Couture talked about it after
1: the game of like, it was just a way it took an
0: hour to play the period. You know, he's like, what are we doing? This is a waste. Right. You know, which, I mean, to a large extent I agree with. I'm not sure I – I don't know how much control who who has what in terms of the exhibition schedule. But when that regular season schedule came out in the summer, some, th- there's no way that these teams should have been playing the last exhibition game.
1: Probably not.
0: You know? But I yeah. mean, just save it. Save it. it. It doesn't need to happen. You know? They would have got 18,000 if they played – you know anaheim or 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 anybody else probably in that building you know but instead they've set set this up where it's going to be three games in a row and you've got you know all this carryover now from the from the exhibition season you know kind of bleeding into the into the regular season i guess pun intended you know i mean i used to joke with one of our other writers whenever the uh the Rangers were in town, how long it would take to get the whistle and the Potvin sucks chant the all Rangers, whatever. Like, it's going to, how long, they're going to start a can you suck chant when the the guy's not even a game, right? Yeah, there are multiple can you suck chants on I mean, Sunday I, and there's
1: going to be multiple, I'm, I bet, tonight.
0: I'm betting there are. And I'm sure there's going to be fans that try to start it up at SAP, you know, up in the corner or whatever, the little night section, that's probably going to be there, you know, but that's what it's, that's what the rivalries come to. That's what the fan base has come to. Uh, But to your point, you brought up a good point. This, this didn't start with Evander Kane. And, and he does bring up an interesting point and a valid point about kind of the double standard, you know, and, and whether he is treated differently, unfairly, you know, than other players. I would argue, I guess in this particular instance, I think a lot of, What happened was a reaction to him basically slashing the linesman. Now, whether it was intended to slash the linesman or not, I think that was what kind of triggered it. So I think in some regard, if he's overlooking that aspect and his responsibility, you know, in the whole fiasco, you know, maybe he needs to look at that part of it a little harder.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And like I said, he fought in this game, like – Clearly, I think what he would say, and I think it's even pretty obvious, is the linesman did not kind of give him the benefit of the doubt in that situation with England, and I think it's pretty up in the air whether he deserves the benefit of the doubt, and I think you can make a pretty good evidence-based case that he did not deserve the benefit of the doubt in that situation. Uh, That's certainly something that he'll kind of have to track the rest of the season once he's allowed to play again, and um, as much as we kind of you know, poke fun or just discuss kind of his antics, for lack of a better term, I mean, he's also a really good hockey player, and that shouldn't be lost. And he almost makes that get lost based on some of these things he does. Right. I mean, he had 56 points last year, which would have been tied for the second most on the Knights with William Carlson. I mean, he's a top six forward. He's actually like a pretty big loss for them. And that kind of gets lost in the shuffle and all the noise because what he does, you know, off the ice or either between the whistles takes most of the attention. Well, as Joe Thornton brought up in the playoffs
0: last year, you know, when he fought Ryan Reese, Kane's a 30-goal scorer. You know, he's out there slugging and doing all that. And and at least in terms of a little more of a hockey discussion, I guess maybe that's sort of always been the quote-unquote criticism of him. Or or maybe that's the intriguing aspect of him as a player is that you're getting somebody that's a 30-goal scorer who's got, you know, a little bit of a nasty streak and, and will go out there and, you know knock people around and get under people's skin. And, you know, whether people like it or not in 2019, it's still part of the game. He's still a good agitator. And, and you know, anybody that knows me, you know, I, I like a good agitator on a team. You, I, I feel like it's an element you need. You know, now whether he crosses the line at times, I guess is 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 up for debate, you know, and, and it will continue on, you know, probably for the rest of the year and probably for, for the rest of his career, you know, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, so we'll, like I said, keep monitoring what happens when Evander Kane gets back, if anything kind of comes of his gripes with the officiating. But we'll transition into what we're also going to see from the Knights on the ice tonight and Friday. They made their roster moves yesterday and kind of over the past couple days. Since we last talked to you, they've sent guys like uh, defenseman Dylan Coghlan and Jake Bischoff down, which happened a little bit earlier. And then yesterday, they sent down center Nicholas Waugh and, of course, defenseman Nicholas Haig, Those two guys uh, were the final two guys out of camp. They actually had their locker stalls in the regular City National Arena locker room yesterday because they took part in the team's final practice before the regular season then were shipped out uh, before the deadline. Alex Tuck, who is week-to-week with an upper body injury that he suffered in a preseason game against the Kings, will open the season on injured reserve. Cody Eakin, who is day-to-day with an upper body injury, is not on IR, which means we could possibly see him. I mean, potentially tonight. Jargon didn't want to rule him out yesterday, but he did make it sound like it's pretty doubtful that Eakin plays in the opener against the Sharks, but maybe Eakin's back Friday. Maybe he's back Tuesday against the Boston Bruins. We will see. That leaves the two rookies on the Golden Knights roster as Cody Glass and Jimmy Schultz. Are you surprised that this is where we ended up, Dave? Well, with the
0: injuries, I guess No. And you consider some of the cap stuff and, and, and all of that, I guess, no. It had you asked me maybe, you know, a week and a half ago, I would say yes. You know, at that point, if I, had, you know, handicapped it, and I, I think I even did in the paper, um, Cody Glass is probably the, you know, the biggest long shot. I, I, I think, you know, early in camp that you just kind of looked at it and you're like, well, where where's their room? It's not so much that he's not deserving but just where do you find a hole in the on in the roster for him? Obviously a couple guys go down, you know, they always say, you never know what's gonna happen, stay ready and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, here we are, second year in a row that Cody Eakin and Alex Tuck aren't ready for the the start of the the season based on injury. So I mean, for me it's interesting that they're just more so where they're apparently gonna play Cody Glass in, in this lineup. Because we kind of saw him for a long time on that third line, and it looked like they were saying, okay, if, if you're going to make this team, that's where the job is. That's where we're going to try you out. But right now, and, and what I would expect for the game you know, tonight going forward, because I don't think Cody Eakin is going to play, is for Cody Glass to be between Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty on the, on the second line, basically. And Paul Stasny moving down to the third line with probably Zikoff and Brandon Peary. For me, if I'm doing the lineup, that's the way I do it. And I put Cody Glass in the best possible situation for him to succeed in between two, you know, obviously talented players. Let him be a playmaker. That's what he does. Right. You know? Especially on the power play. Right. And you've, you're putting him next to a winger who is a Selke candidate, you know, in terms of kind of handling some of the defensive responsibility. And we saw him on the power play, at least in, in practice and things. So you figure he's going to get time there. And that's where we've seen him... Really, excel right from the start in training camp. that's where he's been really good. The five on five has been I think improving as it's you know the exhibition's gone on, but the five on four, the power play especially is where he's been really good. So we'll see you know as as this go f- goes forward, I mean, he certainly seemed like you know he he got the indication he was going to get a chance to play, and you know if he's able to produce, he'll be up here for a while,
1: and if he's not like you said, he you knows Chicago's calling. Yeah, he was obviously great talking about kind of the expectations that he's putting on himself, basically, to start the season. And then, of course, Jimmy Schultz wins the basically five-man defenseman battle. It was kind of funny. Dragalant said before their last preseason game against the Sharks that they pretty much knew what they wanted to do. But if someone scores three amazing goals that it might alter their plan, well, Jimmy came close. He had a really good good power play one-timer, and then he had an assist. And so maybe that nudged him over the edge to stay on the roster he's also 24 so he's older and so he might be a guy that they're comfortable healthy scratching early on it does appear that that would be the plan tonight in their dress rehearsal uh against the kings on friday they had six veteran defensemen play sunday they had four veterans play along with and Schultz, but Jargalon indicated that two veterans would be coming back into the lineup so that seems obvious it just might be a scenario where even though jimmy's played one NHL game, they might not want one of his first NHL games to be in the rivalry, on the season opener, in what's going to be you know a crazy atmosphere, and that they're like, all right, we think you know thirty-two year old Nick Holden might just be shaking in his skates less for at least this first game, <laughs> yeah, and we'll
0: think he's probably been in a couple wars, I think he could probably handle
1: right, it, and so we'll ease you know, you know Jimmy or if they call Nick Hagbeck or whoever up later, like we can ease them. Back in a little better, and so that kind of seems to be my interpretation of the situation. I mean, I wonder if you share yeah, the same. I mean, I think at least,
0: probably temporarily, yeah, for the first couple games. I, I think you're 100 percent spot on. That's that's how I would do. It. I'm not sure. I know Jimmy Schultz has played an NHL game, and and it wouldn't be, I guess, quote unquote, his debut. But it was the last game of the regular season against right. the Kings. Right. It was, I mean this this is almost more this is this is a debut and for you to have to kind of get thrown into the fire so to speak like that, I'm not sure I would as a coach, you know, feel like that's my best lineup. I, I would feel like if I can put six veterans out there and, you know, hey, you know, let's keep the emotions in check. Let's keep, you know, even keel, let's get through this, you know, let's play a good hockey, you know, that that's probably what you want. So you know, no knock on Jimmy Schultz. But, I, I mean, I guess the other thing I'll just bring up really quickly is is you mentioned there's 22 guys. Yep. So there's room for one more guy. That's that's including Cody Eakin, not on IR. So so that doesn't factor in. So maybe we, we see one of those other defensemen, maybe Nick Haig, you know, who come up, I guess, early on here at some point. You know, once the cap considerations, you know, and all that are kind of taken care of and... And he, they can fit him on, you know, if they're going to go with that thirteen-eight configuration. Right now, they've got seven, right? Yep. So there's room to bring a guy up. I wouldn't be surprised to see it.
1: No, I wouldn't be surprised either. I'm sure they'll do a lot of roster tinkering early on. I mean, GM Kelly McCrimmon told us uh, the day before the roster deadline that it's an artificial deadline. He's like, we have to have, you know, we have to be roster and cap compliant by then. But other than that, things are going to be fluid throughout the year. I mean, he even said in a question about the young defenseman that like basically the battle isn't over to kind of paraphrase him that we're going to be trying a lot of these guys out throughout the regular season, depending on circumstances, depending on injuries, all that stuff. But it is certainly interesting and it's a milestone to look at the opening night roster. And if you're Cody Glass and Jimmy Schultz, the fact that you're made, you know, an NHL roster out of training camp for the first time, it's got to be a pretty good feeling. Well, Dave, it's a pretty good feeling being back in the studio with you at the start of the regular season. Uh, We'll be bringing you podcasts, like I said, every Wednesday from now on through the end of the regular season and probably into the playoffs as well if the Golden Knights do indeed make the tournament. One last reminder that Golden Edge Podcast is presented by SDN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos. Also, make sure to check out our work on ReviewJournal.com. We've got the special section out today. A Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone are on the cover just mean mugging it. And so I think... All uh, our over-unders. We'll see how we do on that. Yeah, all our over-unders. Uh, I would not recommend you take those to the Westgate, which is where we got a lot of those props and bet. because Or uh, bet against me, at least. Yeah, we did not do great last year. We were 500 for the most part. Yeah. I was one below 500, but still don't take betting advice there from was the a couple guys. i was proud of but there was a
0: couple that i was like what was i thinking so, yeah
1: hopefully i do a little better this time i think you know the offseason affects us all in different ways like i said we're through the wilderness we are here to the regular season uh i'm ben goats that's dave shane you can follow us on twitter i am at ben s goats he is at david shane lvrj we are the golden edge podcast and we will talk to you again real soon